Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of Mental Wellness Mondays, a podcast by Two Broke Twimbos that focuses on improving your mental health and wellness overall. Uh, joined by, of course, the Two Broke Twimbos, Danny, that guy, and Phil Chard. And as usual, we have Dr. Nyarai, who introduces us to her dear friends and colleagues all around the world that can help us in many different aspects of mental health. Now, of course, uh, we have so many different ways and and uh, methods of addressing so many different things that affect our mental wellness. So we're super excited today to introduce uh, an important lady um, currently joining us from LA, I believe. Is that correct? Los Angeles? Uh, no, I'm in Northern California. So oh, I'm joining Northern you California. from okay. Oakland, California, which is just mm. a stone's throw uh, from San Francisco. Oaktown. Well, well, welcome. Shout out to Oaktown. Oaktown. Dr. Patricia Carabo Nunley, who is an African-centered educator in the tradition of the spirit teachers defined by Nana before Amankwatia II also known as Dr. Asa Hillard. Um, she is, she views herself as a traditional healer and uh, she has some very interesting uh, thoughts and mindsets that we're going to be sharing today. Uh, something that she's done is engaged with a lot of healers in London, Paris, Botswana, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. Uh, when she was in Zimbabwe, that's when Dr. Nirai met her. And uh, I'm glad that she's been able to bring us because she has some very strong views about how Africans and African-Americans over there in America have uh, identity issues that really affect their mental health. And let's see if we can unpack that and really explore those conversations and discussions on our episode of the podcast today. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Patricia. Are you happy with us calling you that? Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Lovely. You can call me Patricia because I'm, I'm your, um, I'm your sister. Let me tell you how seriously I'm your sister. When I say I'm your sister. Mm, Yes, please. When we were in, um, let's see, South Africa on this particular journey uh, in search of traditional healers. And so our trip to South Africa, we were in, let's see, Jeppe Town, which is a, a township there. Mm-hmm. And when we were introduced, myself and Dr. Rachel uh, Cooks and Sister Mary, they introduced us as they said, welcome home. These are our sisters from the United Snakes <laughs> of America. Mm-hmm. And they called us. They said. Uh, we were their enslaved sisters from mm. the United Snakes of America. Mm. And they said to us that, so perhaps we've been feeling ill or feeling some, you know, some dis-ease because of the journey to return home. And when they, he said that, it was like, wow. And I thought about, see, okay, I'm ready to cry now already. Um, I thought about how... Um, you know, West Africa, that's where most of us can trace ourselves back to. I say us, I mean the uh, Africans in America or the so-called African-Americans. And there's the thing with the, don't call them dungeons, uh, castles, call them dungeons. The, the dungeons where the door of no return. So it was like, it reminded me of, it's like the coming back home. So I'm coming back through the door. and. And as thinking about that, I remember the very, very, very first trip when I came to um, Africa for the first time. It was about uh, 
when was that? I can't remember. But the first time I was on the airplane and I was so excited and we were coming into Johannesburg. Right. And you know how the plane is, it comes down and it gets lower and lower. Then you can start seeing the land. I was just like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Right. And I'm looking out the window. It's like, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. Right. I'm going to see home. And then it's like, wait a minute. There's no way I could have came from South Africa. It's too mm. far away. Mm. I probably came from West Africa. So here I am. I'm coming home and I'm not even really coming home. And I was like, so sad. It's like, dang, ain't no way. But then I'm like, no, no, I don't care. I'm still coming home. I'm still coming home. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And so then I made myself happy again. And I remember actually literally kissing the ground. It's like, yes, yes. And then as I discovered and started knowing more that as a people, um, African people were nomadic then. So it's like, well, maybe, just maybe, just maybe I came all the way up from South Africa, all the way, just maybe, maybe, maybe. So anyway, that's how much I love the motherland. And um, yeah, so for him to say we were enslaved here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And so it is coming home. So. Yeah, that's it. I'll be so quiet. You, so you are our sister. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but, but I do want our breath, listeners to the, know the as well. The way, that, the way my mother raised me, I, I, I simply can't call her a doctor. Yeah, my senior. My, I, okay. I, she, I, I, like, yeah. I, I'm literally scared <laughs> right now. Like, if I call you a sister, like I feel her hand will just like extend from, from wherever she's like, okay. you boy, I raised you better. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. Okay, see, so you know what? African-Americans, same thing. So that means we got this from our motherland. Yes. Okay. Same thing. It's like, respect. put a, put a handle on that. Put a handle. That's what they say. Because I make my students, it's like, oh, I am not Patricia. I am not your peer. You put a handle on it. So that's what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. so, so we will call you Dr. Patricia then, if that's okay. I think um, that works. I, okay. I, I do want our listeners to know as well, by the way, that she is currently a professor at the City College in San Francisco. So we are speaking to an academic. Mm. So it's not just, it's not just, you know, some nonsense. This is some, mm. yeah, some, some, so, some, some education that's going on. <laughs> so, Sorry, so you were about to say something. I got yeah, you off. I was, I was about to say, uh, like in, before we started recording, we were, we were discussing like what topics we'd like to cover. And you were talking about identity. And like, even in your, um, your introduction, you were speaking heavily about identity. And as you were saying that, I, there's something that I've been noticing more and more of. And I, I became more acutely aware of it when I went back to America as an adult, because as you said, you encounter um, African-Americans, even that's a weird term to me, black Americans. Um, and one of the things you do realize is in as much as we're similar, the difference is Africans, for example, have the privilege or the benefit of knowing where they're from. And within that, there's an intrinsic privilege in that that helps give you a cultural identity as opposed to being a black American where your cultural identity is pretty much defined by the people, the the powers that be. Um, There's an even deeper discussion about like how like society within itself as it's currently defined is all made up and it's all made up in the image of the white man and capitalism, which is a very like traumatic thing for black people to encounter. But b- back to my original yes. point is you see a lot of people doing like 23 and me and all these um, DNA tests. And there's even, um, I'm forgetting mm-hmm. the name of the show. 
um, mm-hmm. I think it's on VH1 where like black Americans find out who their ancestry is and who the slave owners are and who like who brought them on their ships and so forth. And a lot of the times they'll be like, oh, I, I, I discovered I'm Nigerian and Cameroonian. And as an African, I hear that and I'm like, that that's not true because the borders in Africa are man-made by white people. And you be- mm. in Africa, we don't define ourselves not first by our race, but by our tribe. So what, mm. and it, it's always weird to me because it feels like 23andMe is scamming black people and they don't realize they're being scammed because if someone comes and tells you you're Nigerian, if you go to Nigeria right now, there are a thousand tribes in Nigeria. <laughs> They'll be like, fam, okay, I do Igbo, I do Yoruba. <laughs> Just to clarify, 23andMe, we don't actually say that you're scamming people in case... <laughs> No, this nah, just, I'll never take 23andMe ad money. It's fine. 23andMe, you guys are scammed. It's fine, Dan. It's fine. Charity. We're never taking 23andMe money. It's okay. We don't have to worry about that. Why on earth not, Phil? <laughs> because they sell DNA data to the government. <laughs> they really? Okay. Yes. Anyway, that's point. Sorry. Sorry. Wait. So, you know what? It's okay. So, let me just make this a little worse for you, my brother. Okay. Mm. So, there are a group of... Um, uh, diasporan Africans and we, I'm one of them, don't want to take that test. Mm. But guess why? Guess why? And we don't talk about it and it's so funny. Um, I'm a member of the Association of Black Psychologists and um, that's a group of Black professionals, the original group. um, They basically got ran away from uh, the American Psychological Association. It's like, all you do is pathologize Black people, et cetera, et cetera. We're not doing this. We created their own group. So anyway, we have our conferences and there was a workshop about this very thing. So I went to the workshop, discovered there's a whole bunch of us. We are afraid to take that test because we don't want anybody telling us we're not African. Mm. We won't take it because we don't want to hear that we are not African because wow. for us here, there are rapists in our family tree mm-hmm. just because. Yeah. And so I don't want to, I don't need to hear that. So I don't want to find out that there's some British. I, I don't want, I don't want to hear that. I want to just be all African. And yeah, so, yeah. So do you, do you, know, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, so that's another component. And I didn't know I wasn't alone. There's a, like a lot of us were like, no, 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 no. I'm African. I'm African. That's good enough. I'm from the motherland. So. So on, on this, on this discussion of identity, why do you and uh, your fellow psychologists or African psychologists feel that it's such an important thing to one's mental health? Why is it so important when we're discussing mental health and wellness? So um, Nana Asa Hilliard says to be African or not to be. If I'm not African, then I'm nothing. Because I can never be them. I don't want to be them. I'm, I'm from the original, I'm from Deaconesh. I'm from the original, all, all humanity came out of me as a female, as an African female. Why would I not want that? It's like, why would I want to be lesser than? Mm. Because everything came from us. Everybody else is just a lesser. A not, you know what? Let me let me not say it lesser. Um, <sighs> it's just not original. 
we are the original people. And why would I not want to be original? Why would I want to be a, you know, photocopy or something? So it's very, very important to hold on to my African self. Mm. Dr. Patricia, that's so powerful because I think the reverse is happening here where we as Africans want to embody other culture, the hair, the skin lightening, and we don't want to embrace this Africanism of ours. Um, So it's a fascinating, complex matter about identity, right? And and, and self, yeah, self-appreciation for who you are. So for you to be saying, I am the original person, I feel as if that's something every Black or African person needs to, to hear. Because you could, and, and you know what, everyone that's trying to be, <laughs> every African that's trying to not be African, trust and believe you're just headed to mental illness and craziness. Because no matter what, that what you're trying to be is not going to accept you. And here's a perfect example. Even in Ukraine, in war times, people had time to stop and be racist. Come on, I mean, you know, you're running for your life. And how do you have time to sort out? Oh, no, not you, because you're not seen as human. But it's like, who are you? You don't get to define me. So why would you want to be somebody who no matter what, at the end of the day, they're going to let you know, oh, you're not us. Mm. That's craziness to me. That's madness. So something that uh, Phil said earlier, um, he was talking about this. privilege, I guess, that we in Africa have, perhaps without really thinking about it. Um, I've never thought that it's a privilege to know that, you know, to know my roots or to know my background and know my culture and know all of that. Um, I'm keen to know in in terms of your studies and your experience and so on, uh, what effect that has on one's mental health? Like is like, what, what difference does it make knowing that and not knowing it? Because Perhaps we have a privilege here that we've never really thought about and never really understood. You do. You, you definitely do. OK, so I'm um, I'm trained as an early childhood educator. And so I'm Western trained. But what what um, my, uh, Nana Asa teaches us is like if you're going to be an African teacher, a spirit teacher, you got to know their stuff very well. Then you have to go and get your get our stuff, the original stuff. So now one of the things that even they know is identity development, excuse me, is one of a foundational task for a young child. A young child needs to know who they are. And so imagine you're a young child, you're an, um, you're an African-American child, and you're trying to figure out who you are. And all the books and everything around you don't look like you. And so you're like, okay, well, I want to, I want to be like society. And you try to do that. Your skin is never going to turn white. Remember the association of um, the American Psychological Association. At one point, they said one of the diseases we have is our skin is dark. And to be cured, you need lighter skin. They also said one of the diseases that we have is we want to run away. Drapedomania. We want to be free. Right. So. So, so those are like crazy professional 
psychological stuff saying that it's something wrong with me and I have to lighten my skin. I should want to be subjugated. All this crazy, crazy stuff. Of course, they moved away from that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was then. We don't feel like that now. But yes, you do. And you make our children feel like that. And we as uh, African-Americans allow that to happen to our children. It's like we're trying to straighten out their hair, um, um, the, the lighter skin. Uh, it's called colorism. Um, the You want your nose should be pointy, your lips thin. Now, it's interesting. Everybody's trying to get our hips now. But I'm saying all the things that are African, trying to move away from that. And it's not considered the standard of beauty. And it's so, um, yeah, it's like you're teaching a little child that who you are, it's not good enough. Because, you know, one of our uh, the beauty queens, remember somebody just created, a, a just committed suicide recently. I don't know what was going on in her head, but remember the first time we had all the different Miss Universe, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about? All the, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so one of them committed suicide and she's somebody from here. So why is that? I mean, it's like you, you've risen to the elevation of, of societal standards, uh, the world standards, and still something's wrong. So it, it, it's, it's really problematic for our children when, when they're straightening their hair and uh, trying to change their, just change who God made them just to fit in. And even when you change it all, at the end of the day, you're still considered black and black is not beautiful according to society. That's mm. a messed up thing. I think we, we might have stumbled upon a very interesting topic here. Um, it might be a slight deviation of what you wanted to originally discuss, but I've seen... But it's okay. Um, so th- some of the topics that you mentioned, there's a lot of parallels because ultimately, um, because Western culture and Western media is so pervasive, we, even in Zimbabwe and across Africa, are subject to that. So the same things that are happening in America to a certain degree are happening. Obviously there's cultural nuances and differences, but for the most part, what you've described, the the lightening, the straightening of the hair, um, women trying to have Eurocentric features, men trying to do the same. Um, I remember as a kid, I wasn't pervasive. I I was one of only two black kids in my school growing up. And up until I was 16. I only dated white or, or non-white people. And I, it's only when someone called me, I was like, wait, Phil, how come you only date white girls? I was like, wait, wait a minute. Oh, I do. Do I? So it, it's almost a subconscious thing if you aren't alerted to it. So from an early age, because some of our listeners are parents, for example, from an early age, how does this system affect kids and what can parents do to counteract that so that their children are growing up with a strong sense of identity and also pride in that identity. What they can do, like, for example, when now this is even before I was a, a, an educator and understood early childhood education, I have a 31 year old and I remember making sure it's like, Oh, you're only going to have black dolls. Because you're not going to grow up to have white babies. Right Mm -hmm. now, in my mind, I didn't even think about, well, maybe she's going to marry a white man and have a biracial child. That wasn't even in the thinking. It's like your baby looks like you. You are black. Your 
child will be black. So why would I let her play with white dolls? Mm. And I got so goofy about it, too. And so as I start thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. The books in the house, the books that I'm reading, everything should reflect her in her house. Because once she leaves this house and goes outside in the U.S. society, things are not going to reflect her. So she needs to love who she is. So I made sure I mean, I was even even that like it's so funny painting her bedroom. You, you know, I was like, we were really, really excited. And it's like, what do I put on the walls? Everything I could find was little white children. I'm like, this is not working. So I finally said, OK, do I want to go with Disney? Then I'm like, wait a minute. Then she's going to grow up praising a rat. Right. It's like, I don't want that either. So I ended up putting letters of the alphabet on there. Right. Then I start thinking about her, her doctors and everybody. I wanted her to be surrounded by blackness at home, blackness that loved her and affirmed her so that when she did go out in that society, she would be OK. And so it was funny. So when she finally goes to school, she's learning about George Washington. She's like, that's George Washington Carver. Right. That's a black man. George Washington's a white man. So she thought George Washington Carver. And when it came to cowboys, she thought of Deadwood Dick, not John Wayne, a white cowboy. So she had all of this like girded up. It's like, this is who I am. So my child wouldn't suffer like some of the children. Now, think about this. We have this movement called Black Lives Matter, right? And mm-hmm. because everybody's familiar with that, yeah. right? And you know about all the racism that's occurring in the USA. That yeah. now it's more over it has come out. Why would a child ever want to be black? Why would you mm-hmm. want to be black? So you have to teach your child. It's not black that's the problem. It's the racist. But if you've always taught your child to look like them and you see how it's confusing to a young child. So I love you for who you are, not for what they think you should be. But if you try to make your child what white society say they should be, you're setting your child up for some horrible, horrible stuff. And I remember we used to say, brothers that date white women, you, you hate your mama. It was that deep. But, but this is like the real conscious. It's like, you don't, you don't even like your mama. Do you realize you're spitting on your mama? So just crazy, crazy stuff. So lots of us have what we call internalized self-hatred, but we got it because our family didn't even like us and they didn't like themselves. It's like, what is in, what, what go in the bathroom? What's in the bathroom? Is there a bunch of die? Ble- I mean, what, what, what is your mama doing? Cause what your mother does, you're a social mirror to your child. You don't like yourself. And guess what? Your child not going to like himself either. Mm-hmm. So I would tell parents, do some serious, serious work first, because you cannot help them be what you're not. I know. Whoa, that's harsh and mean. Huh? Mm-hmm. So if we could distill that into like a protocol, for example, um, the protocol being how to help your child be proud of the identity as a parent. What are some of the simplest ways or simplest tools parents could utilize to do that? So one, of, I had this thing called the five B's of blackness. And so one of, one of the little, one of the things you could do is you and your child can play the staring game and just look at each other and just, just stare at each other and then start talking about the beautifulness, the, uh, the beauty of who you are, right? It's like, whoa, look at your hair. I love your hair. I love my hair. But now if my hair is permed, mm, well, right, mm. <laughs> see, see where it's a problem. So it's like I can't be 
I can't teach the child to be what I'm not. So the parent first has to work on themselves and make sure that they love who they are. And then when they love who they are, they can help the child become this affirming self. So again, if I'm playing the stair game, if I'm looking at you, it's like you're a little me. But if you see, you see where it would be a problem mm. because I want to be like you. So I'm going to like, oh, well, when, do, when can I get a perm? When can I get a nose job? When can I do all of those things? So you can't really do it until you have got comfortable in who you are. Otherwise, the child can see right through it. It's like, this is goofy. So what other things can you do? One of the uh, the game was this really cute game they were playing in um, Soweto where they knew who they, they would like uh, say so-and-so I'm African, I'm African. And they would keep naming all their family members, just going down and say this one and this one and this one and this one and keep saying I'm African, I'm African. So over and over, just affirming this is who I am as an African, an African. Um, Look around the household. What do you have in your, uh, 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 what, what's in the house? Do the books reflect you? One beautiful thing about Zimbabwe, I remember too, I was riding around and we did, I didn't see anybody white for a long time. And it was like, it was really cool. Then we're in the car and I look over and it's like, oh, there's a white person. And I was like, whoa, look, somebody white. I was so embarrassed, right? Because it's like, woo, I didn't mean to do that. But I don't think you understand how affirming that is to look around and everybody looks like you. Everybody. I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly, the commercials, just everybody looks like you. That is so cool. Here in the U.S. for us, okay, I have a doctorate degree. It's like 1% of the population has a doctorate degree. I can't just go deep into Blackness. Now, I live in a, a Black neighborhood. But it's like, I can't hide in my blackness. I just, you know, everywhere I have to like, okay, okay, them, them, them. That's beautiful to be able to do that. That's why mm-hmm. I love the townships in South Africa too. So, so you're, you gotta love who you are as a parent. What's in your, the artifacts in your household? Like when you go in my, my house, um, who is it? Uh, ooh, Hakeem Matabuti said he can tell about a black person by looking at the artifacts in your house. What's in your house? What is in your, Does it reflect? Your Africanness, or does it reflect European everywhere? What kind of books do you have? I can go on. You see what I'm saying? It's like it, you have to just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be quiet. Uh, I'm, I'm also just listening to you as well. There's a lot of our listeners, by the way, who are originally from either Zimbabwe or other African countries, and they've now moved whether to the US or into Europe or other places that are obviously the Western world or Australia. I think we have a lot of listeners in Australia and uh, something that we are often dealing with on this podcast that discusses mental wellness and mental health is that loss of identity because they find themselves in these places that are um, not home. They're not surrounded by their people and their culture, and they find themselves perhaps developing depression or anxiety um, that are definitely a contributing factor would be the fact that they're not in places where they have their identity affirmed. Do you have any um, practical steps that people who find themselves in this situation where they don't have their environment affirming their identity, what could they do to try and overcome the, the pressures that come with that kind of Uh, um, mindset. What they do in um, London, when we went there to visit traditional healers, they actually serve the foods 
So your, your home culture foods, the dance, the music, that's the, that's the way you can do it. So that's real simple. Mm-hmm. It's like you still know how to cook. I don't care where you are. You still know your home foods. Cook those foods and talk about it. You still know how to um, the music. Listen to the music and talk about those things. So it's just the things that make you you are your mm-hmm. cultural artifacts. So you can be anywhere and listen to those things and eat those kind of foods and the clothing. Now, you have to have a pretty bold personality. Like I wear African clothing most of the time. I don't care. And people are like, is that your costume? No, this is my clothes. Right. You know, so um, you can do it with your jewelry. Um, you could do it with greetings. Like one of the things that I, I want, because um, it's so sad how we've lost our um, African tongue. So language. So make sure you're still speaking your home language to your children. So you can sit in Australia and you still could speak Shona, you know, or in the belly of all the different things. So speak mm. the language, eat the foods, listen to the music, teach them the dance, right? Wear mm. the jewelry, um, mm. put some statues and things in the house. Uh, just the, mm. tell the stories that mm. you were told by your grandparents. All of those things make you who you are and make you a special person because mm. you're going to learn the other stuff anyway. Like mm. I knew my child when she got into school, they were going to force her to learn the other things. Mm. But in, in but at home, your home is your home is your home and your home can reflect your culture. Mm. And that goes for anybody because that, mm. that's actually easy to do. Yeah. Not, not to step on what you said, Doc, because all that was very valuable. There's one important thing you forgot to include. That's listen to podcasts. Mm. Okay. Listen to two broke twimbos. (laughs) Yes. 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 Because that melanated ear, that African ear, Mm. you need to hear just like your your, your voices to me. It's Mm. like, it's uh, melodic. I love it. And when I go to South Africa and I hear all the languages, I don't know what they're talking about, right? I'm just smiling, smiling. (laughs) But guess what's noise to my ear? <laughs> that is noise to my ear. No, it's, and I don't quite understand it, but it's like, oh, no. And oh, you know what really makes me angry? To hear Afrikaans speaking a language, one of our languages that I can't speak. Pisses me off. It's like, ding, ding. I, it got stolen out of my mouth and you can say, I, I just sit there looking like, mm, 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 that is wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, you probably don't get it because how, how many languages do you speak? I bet each one of you speak at least three, right? Mm, slang. Ebonics. Um, <laughs> backwards. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you know, we are, we, we just racking up the languages. You know that she doesn't even uh, we want the cab words, she doesn't even want <laughs> <laughs> so but I mean that's yeah, not really a language we're just turning English words backwards it was a thing we did in school for some reason <laughs> <laughs> see but that's I mean imagine you're a child going to sleep at night right and back to the show and, and you hear your mother or father singing your songs from home right Cause those mm. things are getting in your memory and it's like, Hey, you know, so then your ans- it, it awakens the spirit of your ancestors. It's, it's like, there's lots of things. And like you said, listening to podcasts, right? Mm. <laughs> so I, I, I'm curious. Um, so currently what you're, what you're teaching as a university professor, uh, 
child and family studies. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so I, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So my question was basically, what do you teach regarding what parents should be teaching their children? Um, overall. Okay. Okay. So I am a teacher educator. So what that means is I prepare students to teach in early education in preschool. And so of course there's the parenting component too. So that's what I do with the students and in the community, I go and teach parenting classes. So basically I'm teaching them that the, that the main thing is a, a, an identity, forming a strong identity, no matter who you are and not trying to be something else like pronouncing the name correctly. Because what happens in the early, in the, um, early brain development, you can print, you can, you can pronounce any word with that and even with the accent. But as you grow older, it becomes more difficult. So mm. teaching them that the home language is very important. Use it. Use it a lot because they're going to get the other English things later. I also teach them to teach the children to love whoever they are, even if you're purple. Just love your purple self. Don't try to be a green person, right? Mm. Be who Thanos. you are. Mm. Maybe get yeah, some oxygen. oxygen. This maybe get some oxygen, but love yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so uh, let's see. So, love yourself, okay, and to and to actually affirm your culture. You can be bicultural because that's what uh, what I noticed. My my Chinese brothers and sisters, they're very good in the U.S. This is what they do. They send you to the Western school. They learn whatever the white people are teaching, but they make their children go to school on Saturday in the evening to learn their culture, too. So being bicultural is very important. At first, they were losing their language, too. They're like, hold on. People are paying a lot of money to learn our language. So we need to hold on to it. So language again, I'm going to just keep saying over language. Um, I teach them to learn how to pronounce the names correctly. Say my name, say my name, say my name. One of the things we do is Americanize our names. I remember when I was in Botswana and uh, we were, I never would want to go on a safari. It's like, I'm not going on a safari. I'm not going on a safari. Why? Because when I, whenever I would turn, return home, because I also had taught at Mills College and they're like, oh, I went to South Africa. I went here. They're like, Oh, did you go on a safari? It's like, no, I went to see the people. We got zoos over here. Used to piss me off, right? It's like safari. Mm. So it's like, I'm never going to, I'm going to see my people. And every time I would say I'm going to see my people, they had no more interest in the conversation. So anyway, my traveling partner, Rachel, she says, we want to go on a safari. I'm like, I ain't going on a safari. I told you I'm going to see the people. And then finally I said, I only go on a safari if black people are running the safari, right? And so they found me, black folks running the safari. So we go, I think we're on the Akavango Delta or something. And I asked this young man, what is, what's his name? He gives me some, I said, oh, no, no, boy, that ain't your name. Give me your real name, not your, not this. He said, oh, but I'm Catholic. I said, what's your African name, right? Mm. And so finally he gave me his name. So I'm saying that even when we change our children's names, that's problematic. That's mm. problematic. And when the teacher can't refuses to pronounce your name and Americanizes it. That's problematic because your name is your identity. When you're, when you're a Garikai and you're like, nah, call me Gary. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Call me Nash. (laughs) There you go. You don't get out of here. So 
that's a, yeah. that's, a that's another very but poignant I, I, point. Oh, sorry, sorry, Doc, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I was just about to say the same thing with my name. You know, people could couldn't say my name or my sister's name is Titsy, and they're like, "Is that Titi or like Titsy Fly?" Um, but then I think sometimes people <laughs> and, feel and they forced to tell the tale. I, I would knock somebody. Yeah, right. you if you want to, if you want to point sense. us in their direction, we will handle them for you. Mm. If please you need do. discipline, mm-hmm. please point us in the direction of these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because <laughs> you you know that does a lot of da- see that damages the child. That make because most of the time the person that gave you a name loved you very much, and it's meaning to the name. They thought about it, and now here you are a teacher. You decide oh, I can't pronounce it. I'm gonna change your name. It's not okay. Imagine the pain of that. It's like that's somebody loved you, gave you this name. And because you can't pronounce it or you think it's too black or too whatever, then you change it. And then, of course, the child's young. It's like, OK, OK. And they accept that. But you're hurting their spirit. Mm. So I was going to say in, in Zimbabwe, we were very well colonized to the point where even our parents um, don't didn't speak languages. I, I didn't speak um, Shona in, in, in my household um, outside of, of talking to the staff up until I was like 18. And I self-taught myself 18, um, Shona when I was 18. Wow. So, so like I, when, when I'd met friends who I knew in high school, after high school, and I started speaking to them, Shona was like, wait a minute, when did you learn to speak Shona? Because you, you've never spoken like this. But that's a very common story across the board. I remember going to America and there was a day where we were supposed to have traditional attire and you had like our classmates from Sudan and Botswana and South Africa all in this beautiful traditional attire. And the two Zimbabwean guys pitched up in suits because they were like, yo, I don't know what to tell you, but we don't have any traditional dress anymore except the, the Nibele. So I'm sorry. So if you're not an adult, but you've now had a coming of age, you're, you're starting to understand your cultural identity or trying to investigate your cultural identity. What are some of the, the tips you can give to someone to explore that and understand their cultural identity without damaging their mental health? Or how, how can they u- use it as a tool to help their mental health? So I would say, um, first of all, um, Know that you're let's let, let's just always make this assumption. If your parents denied you that there was a reason and they thought that they were helping you. So they were doing the best they knew how to do. But now, you know, that there's a better way. So now go back. You may have to talk to your grandparents. Go find out about your culture. Go f- and so, so learn it yourself. But don't feel bad that you don't know. Just say, you know what? I, I get that they did what they did when they did, but now is the time for us to go back and reclaim, you know, that Sankofa thing. So go back and reclaim who you are. And it could be a fun adventure. You can do it together with your children. It's like, oh, let's go see what was grandma's name? What was great grandma? So, so it's a fun thing to do, but don't um, be really angry at the parents who didn't allow you to do it. Because there was a reason it could have been fear. Maybe doing something different would mean that they wouldn't be here. So I would probably tell my grandchild, it's like, well, you know, we had to forget that that we were Shona because it was dangerous then. But it's no longer dangerous to be Shona. So now let's go find out. Let's go learn some Shona games. Let's do a lot of different things, because I know the information is available easier to you than um, than say to, to us. So that's the way I would approach it. So forgive the people who stop you from learning it mm-hmm. and 
assume that they did it for a loving reason so that you could be here. And now that you're here, go back and see what your ancestors was about, your direct lineage ancestors. Mm. Mm. I think that's also a very powerful point, by the way, not just in this instance of lost identity and uh, almost in everything, realizing that, um, you know, barring abusive uh, family relationships in general, people just did the best they could in whatever situation they were in. And I think it's a big step to realize that my parents only did the best they could with the knowledge that they had and the resources they had. They didn't know better. They didn't, you know, they couldn't see better uh, and they just did what they could do. And it's on me to build on top of that and do better. Um, yeah, I think that's a powerful point as well. Yeah. And I know it was really hard uh, once when I was in Zimbabwe. Um, I, I still I still can't. This is so hard for me. There was a girl there and she was the house girl or so, I, I, she was like the servant. And now, of course, I'm living in a black household, right, um, with our host. And it's like I could not get I, I just it, she wore a maid uniform and she was served tea. I don't drink tea. Right. It was it was just too much for me. And I, I wanted to teach her. And she saw me with books and she knew I was a teacher. And she said, can you teach me some things? I'm like, yes, I could teach you. We could do it together. You teach me some of the language. And I got this child in trouble because the host said they're supposed to be working and serving you. And here you're sitting with them. It's like, I can't get with that. I can't even get, that's just so foreign to me. But I realized it's colonial stuff. And the host and hostess had to let me know we're helping her by giving her this job. She's helping her family back in the village. But it's like, why is she wearing a uniform? And why does she, why can't she sit and eat with us? And why is she serving tea? It was just, ooh, very difficult for me. And so, yeah. And I, I know that's me not maybe understanding the history enough because the same house used to be owned by white people. And when, you know, it's, it's just weird, all the European stuff that's in there. And so that's a lot of, oh yeah. You, you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Mm. One, one day we're going to have to discuss that, eh? That, I mean, I understand obviously having uh, a domestic worker or a helper or whatever, but sometimes the way they're treated is very, yes. like you can see that this is, this is coming from a, from a, a colonialist place or a mindset. Mm. But uh, I recognize that it's helping her, you, you know, so yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. And you only know what you know. And I guess that's it. You only know what you know. And I'm saying now we all know better. Can we do better? Yeah, that would be I, a best step. Yeah. I think that's also something I learned early is, and as you mentioned, some of the practices from colonialism are rooted in dehumanizing black people. So for example, the maid shouldn't be associating with us in some households. Like the maid has their own bathroom and their own toilet. I even remember our maid. There's one time when she, when she started working for us and she was like, um, which bathroom do I use? And my mom was like, that's fine. Just use the bathroom. And she's like, oh, I can't use the bathroom in the house. But that's a very common thing because, and goes back to the beginning of this conversation. That's how pervasive white supremacy and racism is, is it's, it's the self-fulfilling wheel. It's, it's a perpetual motion. So like you don't even have to work on it anymore, like, because we'll do the work for you in certain instances. So it, it's very hard to break that cycle. It is. Doctor, I cut you off. You were going to say something. 
No, I was just, yeah, I was just agreeing with you and just um, the complexity and the textures of being black and what does that mean to be black or African? What does, and how is that um, attacked from all different, right? Externally, internally, but then um, what do we need to do to hold on to that? That's the journey of all black people or, you know, or Africans, right? Mm -hmm. No matter where they are. Yeah, I remember one of my my brothers in South Africa, the first time he, um, I think second time when I came to visit and he came to pick me up to the airport and he said, what's up, my, that was the N word. I'm Mm -hmm. like, what? I can't stand that. What? And he said, yeah. And he said it again. It's like, don't talk to me like that. Are you crazy? And he's and he couldn't understand why I was offended. I'm like, I'm older. I don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. You know, it's like that is so insulting. I said, you're a doctor. And he's a doctor. too. you're a doctor yourself. That is not how we talk to each other. Do you realize that word that 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 word is like, no, I said the younger generation believes that they could reclaim it and make it good. But I think uh, Baba Wade Noble said it best. It's like it's like putting a box of chocolate, giving me. A, a, a heart shape, you know, love heart shaped chocolate ca- candies, and I bite into it, and S is inside of it. I don't want to use the word, right? Instead mm-hmm. of, it's like the, you can't repackage that word and make it okay. But mm-hmm. he didn't understand. It's like, well, don't all you African Americans talk to each other like that? It's like you out your mind. No, we don't. But he didn't know, and he thought he was um, showing me how much he knows my culture. It's like that ain't my culture. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's all that it's generational, it's colonialism, it's a lot of things, but many of my African Americans don't understand, and they may not even agree with me, that you can't repackage garbage. It's still garbage. Mm-hmm. That word has such, such um, yeah, yeah, on and on. <laughs> I can go on and on about that. Yeah. It, it, it's also a, a weird thing that even we've had to contend with here is like over here, it's not even considered a curse word on, 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 on radio in certain places. So it'll still get played, but th- there's no cultural or historical significance or pain to it. It's, it's just a word that became popular with black culture and like black exploitation. So we popularize that, that. That's why we as African-Americans, we have to be um, more mindful. But mm. this is the thing too, uh, in the U.S. society, they want to make entertainers our spokespeople. They don't listen to academicians, entertainers mm. and sports figures, but you don't listen to academicians. Why is that? There's a reason because our role is to entertain them, not to educate them. Mm. Mm. So you know how they say, shut up and play ball, shut up and sing or whatever. Don't mm. tell us anything else. So if you want to know about us, they don't do that to themselves. When some of they want to know about white people, they do not go to um, Who's one of their people? They don't go to one of their entertainers where it's like, what you think? They don't do that to them, but they do that to us. Mm. That's not okay. Ja Rule. Mm. Why are we asking Ja Rule? That's the question. <laughs> Why is Ja Rule telling us? Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we could go down a, I know whole we're deep, going a deep places. rabbit hole about think tanks and their existence. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're supposed to be no, identity. No, no. So, so just going no, back to that. Uh, going back to this uh, discussion about uh, uh, mental health, mental wellness, I think this is, this is this will probably strike a chord with a lot of people. But if there are people who are looking for resources, um, mm-hmm. perhaps they want to um, 
uh, um, connect with people or to learn a little bit more about how they can instill the uh, identity and cultural identity in their children or perhaps in themselves? Um, do you have uh, any directions that they can look that you can help them out with? Well, if, if for, for African-Americans, mm-hmm. I can give a whole bunch of things for others. OK, so my favorite person is Insaminan, A.B. Insaminan. He is in uh, I think he's Cameroonian. Right. And he talks about um, traditional pre-colonial Af- Africa and Fukiao, Fukiao also. So what I would say is to look to if you're from if you're from Africa, look to your pre-colonial or your uh, your pre-colonial ways of being. Look to your pan-Africanist. Look to those that are not looking westward to understand who they are. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like one of the things is like go and get an education in London, right? Well, but that's going to be a Eurocentric education. So go back to the all the ways that you learned in probably the, the village. It's like, how, I don't see if a better way I can put this. For example, in Kwa Kwa, uh, see, I wish I could say Kwa 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 See, that makes me angry Wait, that I can't, that? my African tongue swollen. So Q-W-A, Q-W-A, okay, oh. in South Africa, okay? Kwa. They have, the, the, the children are tired of the education because they go to school to learn about agriculture and they know more about it than their white professors. Do do you you know what I'm saying? So it's Mm. like the Western education, is it educating you away from yourself? And if it's educating you away from yourself, that's the problem. Take the Western education to learn how to use that to, because you can't change what you don't understand. So that's just a first step, not the last step, not the old. And so I'm saying go back to your ways, your original, your traditional ways, your indigenous ways. Indigenous is not bad. Go back to the indigenous ways. Learn that. You got to get the form of the other stuff too. use both of them. But the better thing is going to be your indigenous ways. You'll find that out over and over again. Who's the one that told was was it you, doctor, that told me the story of how the women used to teach the children under the trees in Zimbabwe. And then what happened when Zimbabwe got free, then it's like, then they went and went and got this Western education and the women under the trees weren't good enough to teach anymore. Someone told me that story. And it was like really sad. Yeah, it was really sad. So I'm saying that what we think is uh, best practice is not our practice. That's a problem. So whenever I point you to something, I want you to go to something that's your tradition, like in your folklores, your stories. Those things have lots and lots of power. If you go get this other formalized stuff, it you to be who you are. It may teach you away from yourself. Am I am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's, it's it's not that it's not as hard as we think. But maybe if a couple of generations you have been removed from your culture, maybe a little bit more difficult, but not impossible. There's a cousin, there's somebody, somebody that is like, oh, I know what it means to be Shona. Let me tell you some of the things that we did. And then, of course, eat the meat, spit out the bones. Maybe some of the things it's like, eh, that's not practical anymore. Mm. Hmm. 
Nice. All right. I don't know. Does anyone else have any other questions or? No, I, I think we've covered it. Because all I told you to do is go talk to your grandma. You notice that, right? Your grandma's yeah, grandma. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I said. Yeah, yeah, go back to the village. Yeah, that's that's the go back to the village. Yeah, that's. I didn't say go to go order it on Amazon, right? Mm. I said go back to go back to your ancestors, right? Uh, so you, one other, just one other direct, and I, I'm I'm a little bit wary to bring it up because I know this opens up a whole other conversation, and that's not necessarily what we were talking about today, but maybe just out of interest. Um, the, the internet, social media, all of that has made the world smaller. Mm. Um, that comes obviously with its pros and cons. Um, mm-hmm. and I think there's more interracial, intercultural, inter, um, you know, into everything really, uh, um, people, families, um, there, there's a lot, there, there's less clear distinctions between cultures and between, um, you know, countries even, or continents or whatever the case is, there's a lot of mixture that's going on. And I yes. think some people might even say that's a good thing, that it's a good thing if different cultures mix and different races and so on mix. Um, of course, that's in a, in a, in a vacuum. We do know that in the real world, um, we do have to consider the, 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 balances of power and so on, but just as a, in a, in a, in a very naive or almost innocent from an, from a naive or innocent viewpoint, is it a bad thing if cultures mix and races mix and, you know, different, different mindsets from different parts of the world are getting to know each other and creating new families together and so on. Um, does that dilute identities or does it create new identities? So one of the assignments that I have is I ask the students, do they want, um, should the world be Neapolitan ice cream? That's like, you know, strawberry, chocolate, vanilla ice cream. And it's like, it's in separate blocks, right? You you know what I mean? You guys have that ice cream like that. So that's one or do we want a blended smoothie, right? And so I say it is fine to be a blended smoothie if that is what you choose to be. But it's also fine to be the division, but just because you're divided doesn't mean one is less than the other. And the problem typically is when we uh, come together and mix. We don't want to do anything black and African. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. a bi- like a biracial child. It's like it's like you're black and you're white. That's fine. But if you're like, oh, you know, we're just going to become white. That, that that black is not okay. So what I'm so what I'm saying is, what tends to happen is, black is still the bad thing. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw it out that it, it doesn't get the equal footing. That's problematic to me. But you know what they say by 2050 or something like that? Everyone's going to be biracial anyway, because I've, I've seen some some uh, pictures. And in that, are we going to claim that we're white or black? See, if, we, if we're going to claim this other thing that doesn't exist yet. Yes. But I bet instead 
we'll just get rid of the black and it'll be more. That's where it's a problem. Now, making sense, uh, Brother Dubay, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, Absolutely. yeah, I'm thinking of Benjamin Dubay. Yeah, I love <laughs> and the Internet and stuff. I love that because of that. I can go try to figure out how to learn how to click. I can. There's so much that's available. That's another. I didn't think about that. All of the Internet stuff. If I'm sitting in Australia trying to find my Shona self, I can go on the Internet and look at some things. Right. So there's so, so technology is a great thing. But yeah, so the mixing together is fine. But don't lose. It's fine as long as every, either all gets lost or none get lost. Mm. And I see what usually happens is like, OK, I just want to be as far away from my can as being black. And I'm just going to be more white. It's just instead of it's like, oh, I'm a mixture of all of it. Yeah, that That's is what the happens problem, here. Does actually, that yeah. happen over there? Did, what happens? Over it does here? happen here where, you know, a lot of. In these kind of conversations, a lot of what's viewed as the best way or the proper way or the correct way to do things is very white centric or leading towards mm-hmm. what would be white or the colonial way or how the English did it or how, you know, mm-hmm. we used to do it before in the in the before times. And you're like, wait, what do you mean by that? So mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, I do. I, I do understand that there is that uh, residual mindset in a lot of people of thinking that intrinsically black is inferior and because of that if we try to just create an equal playing field or an equal whatever uh, it's very easy for black culture to be erased <clears throat> yeah so it is a concern it's it's, it's hard it, it, it is hard because um remember what i started out saying that uh on the 23 and me i don't want to know about the rapists on my family tree i already know they exist right and so mm. by that i mean um because we were thought of as property and it's like, of course, like one of the te- things that I teach the students, don't use the word MF. Why don't you want to use that word? If you're an African-American, well, if you go back in history, um, when we got um, basically stolen from Africa, many of us went to breeding plantations and there it was just to create more us. Right. And so say a mother, you know, it's, it's conceivable that a mother and a son would actually be forced to get together sexually and reproduce because the mother's strong, the son's strong. I mean, because it was all about just breeding, breeding, breeding. So it's, and then also, Lord, the history would say that that white man would then uh, also rape her because um, she's so happy not to have that black brood on her again. Right. And so, so now you have that in our, in your, in your lineage. And so that's what I mean by the rapist in the lineage. Right. Um, but of course, maybe there's these times where it really was true love between a black and a white person. So I'm not taken away from those, but more, more times than not, it was rape. And so what do you do with that? That mm-hmm. they're, they're, we're, we're, we're mixed by not by de- we're mixed by design. And not because we wanted to be, because we had to be. Yeah, I knew I shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just yeah. saying, no, that's a good question. No, I mean, it's, it's all right, but you know, yo. It's, and you know um, what? And, and, and it's also said that we get our culture from our mother. So whoever your mother is, that's who's going to give you your culture. Mm. Now, I don't know. You believe that? You think that's true? 
Well, I think it's generally true, but I mean, maybe I, not hundred percent in all cases, but mm, as a general rule. I don't know, Dan, do you have a, a strong urge to invade Ukraine right now? Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> you heard oh. about that. The sister that's, she's Nigerian. That she's yeah. going, she's rolling up in there to get, get, get the African folk out of there. I'm yeah. like, go on, girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, cool. I think we can wrap this up. It's been a great chat. Maybe a good place for us to end it is if you could share with us where people can uh, find you, where they can find your uh, um, presence, if it is available online at all. Oh, and see, I'm one of the, I'll be 65 this year. I am so in the digital divide. So I don't have a social media network and all of that, but you can reach me at um, Patricia, P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A, Nunley, N-U-N-L-E-Y, watch this. At AOL.com. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> wait, AOL. Those, ser- those servers are still running? Yo. Wait, wait, wait. Phil, Phil, brother Phil, brother Phil. I went to the store one time and, and I, they asked me for my email address. And the girl said, I need a correct one, ma'am. I need, it's like, it is. It's correct. She had to go get a supervisor. And because it's like, yes, yes. My daughter says I'm the only one that keeps AOL alive. So yeah, that is how much I am. Yeah. Yo. yeah. So, so yeah, that's why I get my whole name. Feel notice brother Phil. I get to use my entire name. Right. But yeah, I keep AOL alive. Yo, when you open yeah, your email account, Facebook. you had to, you had to install the disc. There was a disc that came like, yo, install this. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. I have no Facebook, no internet. Because wait, I had to go to church on. Um, I had to borrow borrow my daughter's Facebook to go to church, right? So yeah. So I'm telling you, I'm so in the digital design. But I have an iPhone, right? Oh wow. <laughs> do you do you have a do you have a Friendster account maybe or what's a friends? What's that? Friends, friends, maybe high five, or, or, high five, this is high the, five, maybe MySpace, MySpace is popping up right now. MySpace is really hot in these streets. <laughs> no, none of those things. I'm sorry. Wait, I have WhatsApp. No. That's something. That's something. I got WhatsApp on my phone. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, because because when I travel over there, I want to call. Yeah, so I have WhatsApp, but I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. And then they would, what they would say is I was on the cool dudes broadcast or something in the tagline and I would know. Right. Mm. So I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. We're we're just, we're just pulling your leg, but it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, I believe it's healthy not to be on social media at the moment because But uh, that's another whole episode, Dr. Nirai, that we need to explore at some time in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mental health and social media. Yo. Yeah. But you know what? Without it, I would, I would, I would, you know, um, because when I, I, I'm saying YouTube, I use that to find out all kinds of stuff and see things and learn things. And mm. yeah. So, yeah. But at what yeah. cost, Doc? At what cost? Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. But I, but I try to filter what I, you know, like you, you can't teach me to click if you're not uh, an African. Right. And like then if you look, then in the way, the way you're looking, I'm like, mm, no, you're trying to look too. Mm, 
right. So, so I, I look at the pictures of the person. It's like uh, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Too much fake hair. Too much. It's like oh, uh, uh, mm, mm, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think we have a lot of uh, people we would love to introduce you to one day. There's a doctor here, Phil, that we should absolutely introduce. Oh, yes. Yes. Do you guys know Dr. G? Dr. G? Um, um, Let's see. uh, How do you pronounce his name? Oh, my goodness. That's That's Yes, yes. I love Dr. G. He's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. There's there's another Dr. G we need to introduce you to. We'll keep it a surprise yeah. when we get here. <laughs> well, one of these oh, well, oh, wait, wait. It, it must happen. be so, a, a rap artist. Is it, uh, Dr. They, they set no, me up. Is it doctor. a hip-hop he's, rap artist? No, no, he's, he's, an, he's an eye doctor. Actually. He's an actual doctor. You, okay. you, you guys will see eye to eye on me. <laughs> it's, you have ah. very similar mindsets on a lot of things. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was like the Dr. Dre kind of doctor. No, <laughs> no, no, like, no. Oh, boy. We don't fraternize okay. with those fake those fake medical professionals now. We, we only deal with real. No. As you can see, Dr. Uriah, real medical professionals out here. <laughs> oh, wait. You know what? I need to clean up something. So my young rap art, artists, some of them are like amazing. I don't like the, the B word, the N words and stuff. But it's like if they it's like, OK, e, you hurt my ear with that. But some of the things they say, I get it. It's like, you know, it's like, OK, OK, mm-hmm. you speak. And I just wish you would do it in a different way. Like Tupac. I didn't know mm. Tupac was like awesome when he was mm. alive. I'm like, Mm-mm. then after I'm like, oh, that little boy, he knew a lot of stuff. Right. Mm. So, yes. so that's the generation. Panther. He was raised by a panther. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's that's what I want. It's like, oh, no wonder he was heavy. Yeah. Mm. So anyway. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'm going on and on. Mm, no, no, definitely, definitely. So you must have liked the halftime show at the Super Bowl then. No. <laughs> no. The reason is, okay. Oh, you get... <laughs> she, okay, she's, Dr. Well, Cornell she's West. positioned herself she, to make yeah. sure she really puts across this point. Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Cornell West said what I was, what I was thinking. Let me tell you. <laughs> Super Bowl, yes. international audience, right? Yes. And who took a knee? Who took a knee? Not mm. my black people. Mm. Who took the knee? The white man. The honorary black man. I mean, yeah, not quite, t- but. Yeah, he took the knee. Why would we not take that opportunity to take do all kinds of things? That's what I mean by going to the entertainers to try to send messages. He took a knee from me. Why? Y'all, come on, y'all. Yeah. And it's like, come on, come on. It's like, what's wrong with that picture? It's like, thank you. Thank you for taking the knee. But why y'all didn't do that? Or yeah. something like that besides entertaining everybody. That was the opportunity to send a powerful message. I'm and who sure. sent the powerful message? The white boy. I'm pretty sure it was in the contract that the black people couldn't take the knee. I think I think they, they took it for granted that wait, would Eminem take the knee? Nah, he's not gonna take the knee. And it's like, ah <laughs> loophole. I'm taking the knee. <laughs> but you do you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm. what did you do except entertain us? You had mm, yeah. you had a national audience, but you know what? But you're but forgive me, you're an entertainer. That's what you do. Mm. Right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't expect anything more, I guess. Yeah, I mean, as long as they entertain, they did their job, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
and Dr. Patricia for coming through as usual. Thank you very much, Dr. Nyarai, for uh, um, being here and arranging all of this. Um, you can find Dr. Patricia on Friendster and Bebo uh, and MySpace. <laughs> and... <laughs> You can find Dr. Nirai. She's still the only one on American Online. I'm sure she still has an original right, I'm username. I'm laughing because, yeah, because guess what? There's there's some white Dr. Patricia Dunley. So y'all going y'all going to holler at her? Go holler at her, okay? So, my sister, I love what you were saying. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? What, what, I don't understand. What, whatever could you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Nyarai, oh, thank you very much. As usual, you can find Dr. Nyarai as Dr. Nyarai on social media or Sage R Health for Sage Restorative Health. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is, of course, with Wired to Love and Thrive and is always supporting our Mental Wellness Mondays initiative here on the podcast. And as usual, two Brooke Twimbos, you can find us as at the number two Brooke Twimbos across, across all current social media platforms. Um, we should just create a MySpace page, you know, Phil, just in case. Yeah, I mean, we, but, we've um, got to cover all our bases, Dan. We've got to cover. I, I, I think. I, if, I think there's a strong, there's a strong like academia contingent that we're leaving untapped. We're completely missing that. I'm just checking if High Five is still a thing. What you know? What high I mean? Five. I think is what, what still we need to do. Exists. What we still need to do is like snail mail. Okay, we need to go to Dr. Patricia. Let's start doing a snail mail outreach program. So like the credit card bills, a coupon from Walmart and us. You know what I mean? That's the untapped market. Yes, right. The layaway plans, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Phil is about to be on layaway in America. So we'll be right in there. Can we resurrect um, the postal service in America? Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, ladies yeah, and gentlemen, yeah. boys Good and girls, thank you for being with us. Good morning. Do you have a moment to talk about our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that note, we are going to end this episode of Mental Wellness Mondays. If you are interested in hearing more from Two Broke Timbos, we have a less serious podcast that isn't about mental wellness and more about just general pop culture and what's going on around the world and stuff. That's the main Two Broke Timbos podcast. But Mental Wellness Mondays is back again every Monday if we can get it out in time. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. That is another episode in the can. Thank you very much, guys. Catch hey, you in the next one. Thank great. you so much, doctors. This was a great chat. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I loved it. Thanks, Dr. Patricia. Thank you.